This is the series finale of the Fred Ball Trilogy. If you haven't heard parts one and two, rectify that immediately. And now, without further ado, the exciting conclusion. Freddy's too good to believe. Defies the law of gravity. And takes all my girls away from me. This episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, Kelsey's, and Bodog. All right, what else you got, Fred? This is, this has been uh, thrilling for me, but I hope uh, we have a few more here before we say goodbye. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, <laughs> one, we were at um, a big CFNY concert event in Shirkston Beach, and uh, so Fred and I are are putting together uh, CFNY paraphernalia, you know, a couple things in a bag or whatever it was. So we're, I'm helping and we're putting all this stuff together to give out to people, you know, a few things uh, in each one. So uh, Fred and I are standing there. And once again, like we would be, you know, early 30s, like late 20s in age or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, my face gets a splash of liquid across it, right? But what happened was it was liquid that came out of the bottle that hit Fred in the head, right? (laughs) Somebody from the crowd, and this is a huge crowd, 1,000 people plus, threw a bottle in where we were, and it hit Fred in the head, and the the beer inside it splashed out onto my face. So now Fred, like, he's gone crazy, right? He's moved into the spin cycle instantly. And he, he, he looks into the crowd, like, screaming, who fucking did that, right? And then he runs right into the crowd, and I'm, and I'm right with him. He, he has no idea who did this. He grabs one person, one guy, right by the lapels and starts shaking him, going, you fucking subhuman animal. He wow. screams at the guy, right? Wow. You fucking subhuman. I said, man, I said, this guy didn't do anything. <laughs> Leave it alone. Let's go, man. So he randomly grabbed a guy, like he was like the scapegoat, I guess, but he just randomly grabbed a guy. He randomly grabbed the the first person he saw who had nothing to do with it, right? So, but the the look on that guy's face, what the fuck is going on, right? See, Fred, now I'm thinking, if only this happened in the era of like phones on our, I mean, sorry, cameras on our smartphone. Like today, if that happens, we could see it on YouTube today. It would be so funny, (laughs) all of these things. I want to see Fred... Running into that, like sort of like when Ty Domi went after that guy, and I think it was in Philadelphia. Exactly like that. <laughs> exactly like that. And it was, and just grabs him and says, but it screams at him, you fucking subhuman animal. Hey, this is great, man. If you got, you got any more uh, at that? Yeah, that's amazing. Like another time uh, <clears throat> we were at, uh, like we played ball hockey a lot uh, in, you know, one of, uh, a uh, friend had it we in some school gym, right? But Doug, buddy Doug was always there, Fred, me, and several other guys. Uh, even uh, Stuart Myers uh, would would be, come out and play, Stu Myers. And uh, so uh, we're out there, right? And this is another shoulder thing, right? So Fred fucking falls on the, on the floor and it pops out his shoulder again. Uh, the same thing that happened... Uh, prior but so then uh from the skiing but so 
he's fucking so pissed off, right? He's he's saying, ah, fucking shoulder, right? And he gets up and he boots the wall, right? With his foot, like kicks the wall uh, of the gym, right? A cement wall. So anyway, we're going the next week. I, I called Fred. Hey, Fred, are you coming to Bahia? I'll pick you up because I can't play this week. I said, your shoulder goes, no, my foot. <laughs> he hurt his foot worse than his shoulder after kicking the wall, being a, a madman. Fred, here's what gets me real quick. Interject real quick and get back to that. But uh, we kind of on the show, at least the current incarnation, which is now a 12 year podcast approximately, but we kind of make jokes about the rage of Howard. Like Howard is the guy who would go, I mean, he's working on it and he's a lot better than he used to be, but he would get angry, see red, and then he would act ridiculous. And we talk about the time he, somebody cut him off in traffic, I don't know, downtown Toronto, and he yes. was following him to Hamilton, chasing this guy like a, like a QEW highway tr- chase. Like there's a m- bunch of stories I keep hearing about the rage of Howard and throwing his clubs and doing this and that. But hearing you talk... Yeah. Freddie P's got the rage. Exactly. And I have said this to Howard in the past, too, that, you know, and Fred accusing Howard of going from zero to the spin cycle in a in a millisecond. And I said, you, you're not that much better, man. Yeah, but and, Fred, uh, how did these two, you know, now that they're older, they've both calmed down quite a bit. Even I've noticed in the time I've known these two guys, like they've really like yes. chilled out, uh, although they can still get angry, but okay. I've seen that too. But like how did they manage to stay friends while being humble and fred on the radio when they're both like that? Like I feel like that's a bad combination. Like you need somebody to be the the rage guy and then the other one needs to be the chill guy. But if they're both rage guys, isn't that uh, a recipe for disaster? Yeah, no, it's a, a head butter for sure. I think it's a, the difference of there's the professional humble and Fred who respect each other tremendously in what they do, and then there's uh, the the private life of Fred with with incidences of this nature. But by far and far, I'm mentioning like six, seven things out of 30, 40 years of friendship. You know, so it's not all that, but these are incidents that are hilarious. Yet, uh, and he can't remember them, so it makes it even uh, more hilarious. Whereas Howard, on his rage, you know, like dragging a seven iron along along the highway because it didn't do a good shot for him, right? Or hitting the inside of his windshield, where windshields are meant to take a, a whack from the outside, not the inside, and he broke his windshield. Uh, stuff of that nature is. Um, is is uh you know howard but he has uh mellowed out yep. uh in and you know has said to i've heard him say you know anything I, that happened when when we were younger i apologize if there was any if i was an issue which wasn't uh you know in some people's cases i don't know but not me but uh but from that standpoint I believe that they're. It's the same way when we were at that baseball game, and Fred said they're bringing somebody back, and it's uh, and people were imagining that if, if it's Howard, it's all bad, right? Uh, but I said no. I said that's the best thing that can happen to you because your chemistry on the radio is fantastic, and uh, and and you know it'll help your career guaranteed, and it definitely has helped both of them. They've both done better with each other. Than, than separately all the time. 
And here we are in 2023 talking about them because they're, you know, they're both. And again, recording time and time people hear this are not the same time, but they're on the air again tomorrow morning together live. And they're yes. a 50-50 partnership. Each of them own 50% of whatever they call their company, Humble and Fred Incorporated or whatever the hell they called it. And, uh, you know, you got you to gotta have respect for each other and have, you know, get along in order to make a, a business relationship like that last so long. It's a marriage. I, like I had a 50-50 partner for 25 years. It becomes a, a marriage uh, be, between two people that you have to have complete trust. Like, you know, when Howard puts his head on a pill, Fred's the banker. He's not emptying the, uh, the accounts and uh, vice versa. Right. They sleep all at night trusting each other. And I wouldn't doubt it if half of their, I know everything's illegal business and that, but I wouldn't doubt it if, if if half of the stuff they do is handshakes between them and, and that they're that type of, uh, uh, of people operating they wouldn't do anything that would be untoward each other, but, uh, in a business standpoint and the arguments on the air and Fred taking more, more shots at, at, at Howard than years gone by and Howard taking them more than years gone by. So I think it's, uh, mellowed out nicely. Uh, they, uh, and the podcast, the, the content is great. The guests have been excellent. Everybody can't wait to uh, to to listen when when Bill Burrell's on. Everybody can't wait to listen when Tony Clement's on. Even though I had a good question for Tony the last time that he answered, but I I still have doubts of the answer. But uh, well, then, politicians uh, are going to politic. Yes, and and so, but people miss Noel Kasler. I know that, and uh, yeah, well, you know, Noel. So I'm the, you know, I guess uh, I can give you the exclusive, which is Noel asked. I don't know how much they've said on the show, to be honest, but in uh, you know, I he was on every month, so I would always say, "Hey, Noel, how's this day and time?" And then he he just nicely, you know, and I like Noel. He's been on my show, and we have a good rapport. And he just said. I need to take a little break for the summer. And I'm like, of course, no. Like if you need to take a break, it's like, we don't pay the guy. Right. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, take your no, break. I know. You know, what am I going to do? No, you're on the, you're on fucking humble and Fred tomorrow at eight 15. Don't give me any shit. No, that's not how it works. Yeah, so yeah. he got the summer off, but then, you know, in mid August by mid August, early August, I'm starting to send him notes like, Hey, uh, let's get you in the calendar for September. Everybody misses you. And he kind of kindly, very respectfully just said, uh, we need to pause it. He wanted to pause it for a little bit. So I don't have a date. Like I just will follow up every, I don't know, every three or four months, I'll send him a note and just say he's ready to come back. But for whatever reason, and I'm not prying because it might be personal, I don't know, but he has asked for a break. And I don't know, I think, I don't know what he's going through in his personal life, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I respect the man. I think he's great. And I'm sure he will be back. I just cannot tell you, Mr. Ball, when he'll be back, but right. he's on a pause. Yeah, actually, similarly, when that Michael Landsberg had off the record and he invited Fred many times to be on the show, and you don't get paid, but for Fred, it's a long drive from Branton to get to the studio where he was operating, and Fred, in the end, started to say, you know, I can't keep coming for free, like, pay my gas, do something. I shouldn't right. be speaking out of turn because I don't know if Fred said this on the air. So, uh, but uh, but it ended up. And then the history of Michael Landsberg, obviously, is uh, with his mental health. And I've been involved with uh, with things. And uh, a friend of mine at Bell Canada 
We've been to many of their uh, Bell Let's Talk uh, dinners sponsored by CIBC and that. And Michael Landsberg's been the guest speaker on those nights where, uh, you know, and, and speaking to a big crowd of people and they're raising money uh, for uh, mental health. And, and he's a big proponent. So, but at the time of, of uh, prior to that, with his off the record, it, uh, you know, became a bit much for not paying people to, to make the trip. Today, it would be just like this. On a Zoom call, there would be nothing. You'd be all part of it, and it wouldn't matter. But to be uh, in those days, have to be in studio. And I remember, like, in all of the Fred things, too, at one time with Stuart Myers, uh, we went to a Leaf game at the Garden, at Maple Leaf Gardens. That's how long ago it was. So Fred and I go to the bar across the street, uh, and Stu Myers is there with a group of people. One of the Leaf defensemen, Schneider, uh, Matthew there. Schneider. Yes, he's there. You know, and so then uh, Stu's had quite a few beers in him. Fred and I are leaving, right? And Fred's walking out ahead of me, and Stu Myers says uh, to me, he grabs me and he goes. And he says, because and we'd played hockey together and ball hockey, so we knew each other. Not, not this isn't the first time I met him or anything. And he and he says to me, you know, Fred. He says, he says, I could take Fred Patterson, you know. And I said, so could anybody in grade three. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I said, uh, and he goes, and I could take you as well. And I says, well, that's where you'd have a problem, <laughs> right? So then he swings and he punches me in the side of the face, okay? And uh, and I see the second one coming, and I grab his fist out of midair, and I hold it. And I said, out of my respect for Fred, I'm letting you have that first wow. punch. But if you hit me again, I'll break your back, okay? Wow. And then he, he walked away. Wow, that's and, cool. that, and that was it. Listen, and I'm sure that if, if you asked Stu today, he'd have no memory of that because of how uh, he had a lot to drink at that moment. Well, interesting. You know, of course, Stu's daughter was on uh, CFNY 102.1, which, of course, is now uh, 102.1 The Edge, was, was on the air for years before she took a gig in uh, Vancouver. Carly Myers. Oh, wow. Yeah, Carly Myers is Stu's daughter, and she was a, yeah, a personality on 102.1 in the last decade. But now she's off. With- yeah, no, Stu was a great guy, you know, and, you know, and, and he was an excellent hockey player. Like he, he was, uh, if he was the size of me, he would have been in the NHL. Wow. Uh, uh, and obviously he didn't have that size, but he was really good. Like we played ice hockey, ball hockey, always a, a good guy. That was just one thing. He was out of character and, uh, but, and saying that, but, and I never brought it up again. I never mentioned it. I never said anything to anybody, but uh, until now, type thing. But okay, well, that's what uh, we're here for. Let's. Uh, so I have a little time here. Hopefully, you have a, I, I'd love another. Uh, you got another Freddie P story? Another good one for the uh, Hundy P's? Sure. The the uh, he uh, his uh, daughter Melanie was probably around thirteen or whatever. Danny uh, ten or whatever the uh, the the difference is. So. Melanie had dance class in, in uh, Bramalee at uh, a place. So uh, Delise called me and said that uh, Fred's going up to his parents right af- right from dance class, and they they were going to be going swimming. Like the, the kids were going to stay with the grandparents for the weekend, and they're going to go swimming. And uh, so 
could I come over to her because they don't have the life jackets? Can I come over and pick up the life jacket? She gave me the second set of keys and put them in the trunk of the car. So uh, I drive over to the to the parking lot. It, it was like Bramley City Center. It was one of the buildings outside of that. And I um, so I, I I put the life jackets in the car, and then I moved the car four spaces over, facing the other way. Okay, <laughs> and. Fred, had, like this is before cell phones, so there's no idea uh, that Delise had had me do this, right? So then he, he drove him insane. He's out there and he's thinking something's, what's not right here, right? And he goes, in, and he says, and Melanie says, yeah, I don't think we were here, right? And uh, all the way driving to his parents in Tottenham, He's, he's driving him crazy, right? And he says, and Melanie, she's a smart girl. You know, she noticed it too type thing. So then they get to the parents and uh, the, the, their, the mother, his mother's out there. They, the trunk opens and the mother sees the life jackets and says, uh, oh, uh, Delise must have got a hold of Fred Ball. <laughs> Right and right at that moment, Fred, the light bulb went off. I fucking moved this car, and he goes, "That fucking bastard!" And he went, uh, which was uh, hilarious that it drove him crazy for that length of time. So you just moved the car to fuck with Fred, basically. Uh, yes, I love and, it. Uh, I love it. Now his payback to me was uh, was um, calling me on the air during a James Scott show, James Baby Scott. Yeah. And uh, so he um, was uh, calling me on the air saying, because I, for my company, at the time I borrowed the wanky baseball equipment to have a company baseball game, right? So, uh, and Darren was the promotion guy, so it was him, right? So Fred calls me and says, Fred, we, can, we don't have the baseball equipment. Darren says you never returned that. And I said, because I had taken it back, right? And so now he's screwing with me, and I'm saying, I turned it. I, I brought it back, right? And uh, the uh, uh, I said, you have it. And then one thing leads to another. They're going to call the cops. And I said, this is, you know, and then Fred lets me off the hook and says, uh, you know, because he did this cruel thing called call of the day. He says, what would I do? What would you do? I told you this was call of the day. And I said, what would you do if I came and cut all the trees down in your yard? <laughs> and so, and then I got let off the hook, but that was torturous for several minutes. And James baby Scott at the end goes, well, <laughs> good luck, Freddie Ball, right? <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was his payback. And James Baby Scott, who's sadly no longer with us, but uh, was David yes. Marsden's brother. Yes, I know. And actually, I I sent you on Facebook. I had the button that says James Baby Scott, the the lapel button, and I sent uh, you a, a copy of it, and you put it on your right uh, page uh, with that because I probably have the only one in existence. Wow. Uh, I actually heard uh, from his daughter, okay. so I did a little tribute on my podcast to Dave, uh, to James Baby Scott, and uh, his uh, his daughter reached out and really uh, seemed to appreciate it. So uh, yeah, that's an nice. it's an interesting story because uh, David Marsden was adopted, but Marsden was the name he thought his birth mother had, or and I think 
if I get right. so you'll tell me because here Marston. But Marston, right. So yeah. James Baby Scott was really uh Mar- David Marston. Am I yes. right? Same first name, which is another interesting wrinkle to the story. Interesting. Yes, no, I did know that, and I, I remember. And uh, the with uh, and in the early years of uh, of CFNY with David Marsden there, and there was uh, he was very eclectic, as you know, beautiful <laughs> yeah. head of hair that's still well, to yeah. this day. And I always I'm always uh, shocked when I find out it's real because it looks like this has got to be a wig. He's got a great no, head of I hair. Know, no, and, it's uh, real. It was a probably, I don't know how many years ago, but he had a birthday party at the Fox and Fiddle on Wellington Street near church. And uh, and Nancy and I go down. We've always been invited, but, you know, it's not always convenient to make that trek. But this particular one we went down for and uh, talking to David. And that was the first thing I said, you know, you're beautiful head of hair because I don't have any left. <laughs> and uh, then another person was talking and I said, yeah, I said, I'm old enough. I was at Iverwind Stadium when you introduced Pink Floyd because wow. David Marsden introduced them right. in 1976. Right, because he was on Chum FM. Right. Yeah, and right. Uh, so for that memory, and then it brought back a flood of memories for him and that, but he was uh, he was incredible that way. Well, I love it when you, you meet somebody who knows him as Dave Mickey. And it's yes. like, so I only know yep. Dave Mickey from recordings, obviously. I wasn't listening to 590 back then. Uh, but to, the way Dave Mickey talks and the way David Marsden talks, it's hard to believe it's the same guy. Exactly. And uh, even, you know, pictures of him interviewing the Rolling Stones and uh, and that. And even, you know, a neural jive uh, obviously was a big part of uh, the station, too. There was... Um, you know, intimate settings because Earl Drive was all, and uh, was also a very eclectic, like a, an odd person, uh, in in a lot of respects. At the head, the the time of CFNY, and in, in all of the years that have gone by, and you know, if he's in the area, he'll reach out to Nancy. They'll go for lunch uh, with Bob Lehman, who lived up here in, uh, for a while, and uh, but. We would, you know, there would be like remember Ron Burchell, uh, and and his wife Wendy, and then uh, Maureen Bowley and her uh, uh, partner Jim Bow, and Nancy and I, and then Earl and Beverly. So in that type of a of a close setting, uh, you know, and and just sitting around, people get to know each other and not in in a in a more intimate. Uh, moment, but Earl was still seemingly uh, out there, you know, like uh, thinking of everything else except what this particular moment. But in but in the years gone by, he's completely a, a different person in that regard of uh, you know friends and 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 getting together and talking and that. But I think he was focused like his music knowledge is better than any person that uh, that you could ever meet, like. Uh, whenever you would do those, uh, you know, contests uh, or, you know, try and stump me on music or whatever, and people would call in and he says, come on, people, I'm looking for some hard questions. These are easy questions and all that. But he's uh, been uh, an integral part of, of that. Uh, and But when they got the boot, like James, uh, J.R., Jim, Jim Reed, he said that him and Earl got the boot on the same day. And, uh, and, and that memory is there, but... A lot of a lot of history in that in that group. Other 
Fred on Fred was uh, speaking of Earl Jive, like he did a lot of uh, of uh, shows at night. Like he would be hired out, out to work a bar, work this, work that. So in one particular one, it was um, a truck stop in Grimsby, and uh, so uh, how Earl was double booked. So he asked Fred and Mike Stafford to go and work the Grimsby truck stop, which had a live band and, and uh, DJ music, everything. It was a, a huge uh, uh, outing, right? So, and I always take along on these things because I get to drink free all night <laughs> and I don't have to drive. These guys are working, so they can't drink. But in this particular case, the truck stop was a motel as well, so it included a, a motel room for the night. So it was uh, Mike Stafford and Fred Patterson and myself. And uh, so we go there uh, and they do their bit while I just sit back and, and, and get free beer. And then some girls chatting up Mike Stafford. So Mike uh, says, let's, uh, you know, you guys go do something while I go back to the room for a bit with this girl. So they go back to the room. Fred and I go into the restaurant. Uh, it's like 2 a.m. now. And there's a lot of, the only people in there are truck drivers. Like we're the only people in this restaurant that don't have a chain on our wallet. Right. <laughs> right. And then Fred, the idiot, he starts ye- yelling at me. Right. Like we've finished our, our, uh, whatever we were eating. He starts yelling at me out of the blue. And then he, uh, he stands up screams at me and says, after everything we've been together and now you leave me for Bruce. <laughs> and, then he, and then he walks out. Right? <laughs> and now I'm standing, sitting there, every truck driver in the place is focused right on me. <laughs> I turned my head and I said, it's okay. He's just a fucking asshole. <laughs> and then I walk out. And that one ended with, uh, Fred and I going to the hotel room and we're looking through the curtains and we can see Mike and the girl just on the bed kissing, right? And then uh, then we, I said to Fred, we can't fucking sit out here all night and, and watch nothing, right? And uh, so then we, we, we go walk back a few hotel rooms and start making a lot of noise. So the Mike hears that, knowing that uh, that we're coming. So then the girl leaves, and then uh, you know, and then I'd say, "Mike, did you fuck her?" He goes, "Yeah, I did." And I said, "We we know he didn't because we were watching through the window, right?" <laughs> so guys bragging about uh, achievement that didn't happen, but <laughs> anyway, have you had Fred any, and I never confronted him. Did you have you had any contact with Mike Stafford in the the past recent history? Uh, no, uh, but I did uh, hear your uh, podcast with with Mike, and uh, we were close. Like you know that group, and uh, you know we in the eighties, like we would have parties, and you know in that time period, like Trivial Pursuit was a big thing, and we'd be playing Trivial Pursuit at some parties, and Mike's my partner, but he's passed out drunk, and uh, so every time the question. I was holding my own, but if it was a question that I didn't know the answer, I would shake Mike awake. I was like, Mike, Mike. And I'd tell him the question and he'd just blurt out the answer and then pass out again. But he, <laughs> he was the smartest guy in the world. Well, that man lost on Jeopardy. So he, he got, know, he got there though. It is. And now the worst part was, uh, the question was, what's the only president with double N in the name? 
And then he lived on Kennedy Road oh. in Brampton. The station was on Kennedy Road in Brampton. And he said Buchanan. And that was uh, oh. not the double N. <laughs> that's, that's so he lost the, the uh, double Jeopardy question. And then that if he had got that right, he would have won that game. Wow. Could have changed his, the whole, money uh, had. His, whole, his whole life. All right, my friend. Fred, this has been amazing. Uh, I, we have time for one more so just reach into that pocket, pull me out one more Freddie P story before we say goodbye, but there will be a Fred Ball trilogy on Humble and Fred Radio. Right. Uh, there's, um, we've done the, the, the moving of the car. We did the subhuman animal. We did the chicken wings. We did the <laughs> shoulder injuries. We did... Uh, uh, Have we drained the swamp here, Fred? One time... Uh, my uh, Nancy was at some house in uh, in North Toronto. I guess it was 401 in Keel Street area. So uh, the streets in there are a bit odd, right? So I said to Fred, I said, I got to go see this. And Fred says, uh, I'll drive you, right? And so Fred's driving. We get to the area, but the streets, and this is, you know, before uh, uh, GPS or anything. So we're... Uh, getting um lost so there's a gas station just south there and so we pull in i run in to to see where the street is and the entire time i'm in there fred's holding the horn down not just beep beep but just a straight on holding the horn down the entire <laughs> time that i'm in there it goes over five minutes and he never let up he just held that horn the entire time I go, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, what, what? That's always his favorite, right? What? <laughs> so it was just a drive me insane. But uh, there's some more Fred on Fred. My uh, uh, brain's not working right now, but I'll, I'll remember them. We'll do another session. We'll do, okay. So from now on, when a new Fred on Fred pops into your mind, I don't know, take a note or you know, yes. j jot it down or stick it in your phone or whatever, and then let them build up a little bit. And then we'll do another trilogy. Uh, I'm sure the guys are going to take more weeks off and we'll need another, you know, Fred on Fred trilogy. So we will do this again, but I want to thank you for this. I mean, it was great to have some, yep. you know, time to breathe, you know, time to get to know who is this Fred ball? Who is this Nancy ball? How are they all connected? And I learned a lot from this uh, conversation. So thanks for doing this, man. Oh no, I loved it, and uh, and and respect everything that you do in that, and uh, and always, uh, you know, as a friend of Fred, uh, I always do everything to support them, and uh, and will always continue. And uh, let's think about some merch for that uh, upcoming uh, uh, Christmas event. We'll do something. All right, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs>